So yeah, welcome guys to the uh, second episode of the Mercast. And this time I'm uh, joined by the the man of the RME podcast, uh, DJ as well, does a bit of producing, uh, main man in Scotland, Sean Goldie. How are you doing, bud? What's happening, mate? Thanks for having me. As no I was worries. just saying, it's a pleasure to be on the other side of the podcast and not have so much pressure on myself or uh, have to come up with questions and things. So it's good, mate. Good to be yeah. to be on the other side. Thanks for having me. No, it's good to have you. Um, if you didn't know as well, I was uh, on the on Sean's podcast, um, the RME podcast. One thing I've got to point out as well, um, sort of with your alias, I, I didn't understand where's RME come from. And I was uh, chatting to Cuba, former guest uh, on your show, uh, probably future my, on, on mine as well, the, the head honcho of Project Radio. And he he said, oh, RME, it means it's like gold, an element for gold or something. So I was yeah, quizzing yeah. the other day and I was like, RME, why has he got dot E? And I was like, oh, Goldie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just dropped and I was like... Yeah, so it's actually a, fun, it's a funny story, mate. So I am... Um, when I started DJing and things like that, I always just went by my second name. I was, like, from being young, all my mates call me Goldie. It's my nickname, right? So um started making tunes and I'm like, right, okay. So I made, like, a few house tunes and I'm like, you know what it's like yourself? When you, at the start, you don't really have the courage to send them to people to upload them. So I'm like, right, so I had this tune and I'm like, I'm going to put it into a Facebook group because, you know, like Slav House or yeah, yeah. all that kind of thing. So it was something like that. So it was the tune I had and then it was Goldie next to it. So I put it in and I'm like, hi, this is, I've just started producing. Um, if anyone would like to listen to my tune, you could have a listen or whatever. And um, no one even commented on the tune. All the comments were just the fact that I was calling myself Goldie. And obviously Goldie is an old school garage legend. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The, the, so like, even some guy commented, like, I would love to hear what Goldie would say about this. He'd set the dog on him and all this. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, that to my mates, like, I should probably think about changing this because I think, right, that's the first time that I've ever publicly said anything about it and people are saying that. So from that point, I'm like thinking cap on, right, what can I call myself? And I would, I mean, it's probably one of the hardest things to do um, is come up with a name for something. So I was struggling, struggling. And then I thought, right, what can I do with Goldie? And then I was thinking Orum and then Whack D on the end. So there you go, Orumi. That's how we got Brilliant. there. The I was pronounced it wrong. Yeah. Orumi, yeah. Oh, okay, I don't, mate, it doesn't bother me, man. Orum, Arum. It's the <laughs> same way in the As long as it's not Goldie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. But yeah, it's a fair. I don't even know if like, Katama, I don't know if it's Katama or Ketama. Like, yeah, I've had know. this discussion. I think it's Ketama. Because um, that's actually a. I'm pretty sure he got that from a type of weed in Amsterdam. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that where that comes from. He got far twenty blaze it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like it, just jumping on as well. Like um, when he first putting tunes out and sort of aliases, like I think the first few gigs I did was like under my full name, Jake Murgatroyd, and it's just a mouthful. Like no one's gonna be like, oh, I'm off to see Jake Murgatroyd. They might be like, oh, I'm off to see Margrab or some quick and snappy melody. Um, so I was quizzing for ages whether to like make like an alias, and then I was like, Do you know what, I just keep it simple, just. Just shot. Mm-hmm. Everyone calls me Merg, so I thought may as well just do that, just a bit easier. But like, even thinking yeah, of it. tracks for tune uh, names for tracks, sorry, like just yep. so difficult. I think to... even then, like the thing I found, and I spoke to um, another DJ who's uh, Van Dam, who does like all good, and he runs events in Dundee. It's, I don't know if it's a, it could be a British thing as well as a Scottish thing, but it's the idea of calling yourself something, the idea of like you just being like a normal bloke or whatever. And then you're like, yeah, I am now this person. Like, it seems, it's it's a weird thing. I don't know if it's just British culture where when people try and do stuff for themselves, you sort of like critique them and think, who the fuck do you think you are? Do you know what I mean? But yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Orem E now. And I'm like, even like my dad, like 
when I would go into the house, my dad would be like, oh, there's big on me there. And all that. And <laughs> just winding me up. Like, it just doesn't sound, you can't, you can't get used to it. But at the end of the day, if you want to make something yourself, you want to be an artist or something, it's part of it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like Sarah calling it Mercast, like it's, it's just, it's easy to put together, but it's, it's got my name in it. You see, it's even a bit like, you know yeah. what I mean? But uh, what can you do? Eh? What can you do? Um, so yeah, talk a little bit sort of about yourself. Um, in terms of your podcast and stuff, so how did you get, into that what was sort of the main motivating factors and sort of interest behind it all really yeah well um podcasting is something i've been interested in for a while i think i mean obviously like like probably most guys uh, like me and yourself or whatever like joe rogan guys like that big influences um sort of was how i got into it i can't remember that their first ever podcast i listened to but i'm, I'm constantly like in the gym driving uh, whether it be going walks or anything like that, I think podcasts are brilliant and I'd always been interested. And um, mine's came about during lockdown. Uh, I just, with the scene being quiet and f- f- trying to find ways to adapt and think how can how can people not forget about me sort of thing in a way. And also like conversation, like I miss talking to artists. I'm a, I always like conversating with people about music and it just sort of culminated in, well, why don't I start my own one? And it must have been, it was like six to nine months of me like going back and forward in my own head. Will I do it? Will I not? What will people think of it? Will anyone even listen about it? Am I kidding myself on? Uh, and then I just started it, mate, and it's been going brilliantly ever since. Um, and it's funny as well because I'll be out and I sometimes get caught up in thinking about who's listening, how many people are watching, you know what it's like. And um, I'll be out in, in Glasgow and people will be like, oh, you're the guy that does a podcast. And just be comments like that are, are, are good, man. And it, it makes it worthwhile, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, but definitely. it's been going great, mate. And like, oh. have a conversation with guys like yourself, like we haven't met, but we had an hour conversation about music. And um, I think I've six, uh, 16 episodes I've done now. So yeah, it's going great, mate. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I got it in the, sort of the same as you. I think the first one I listened to must have been about about five years ago and it was like a true Geordie podcast and he did it with um is it David Maylor he's I swear he's an Irish footballer he played for like Hull City and stuff like that yeah yeah um, he, he does like gaming now and stuff and it was literally just I was scrolling for YouTube um subscribe to like true Geordie and um yeah I just started listening to his podcast I was like you know it's pretty pretty decent it's nice just listening to two people converse um and then just listen to the odd one here and there um yeah, and then it got to lockdown, and that's where I started listening to a lot more Joe Rogan stuff, uh, Jack Mate, and Stephen Tries podcast stuff like that. Just some where I'd go on a run and just put something on, and it'd just be instead of listening to music, just like tunes blasting, just nice and relaxing, listening to something. It's always interesting, like the amount of stuff you learn. Whether it's like um, just factual nonsense or like just weird topical stuff like it's just yeah always interesting to to listen to and then I thought like I love chatting to people I'm that kind of person like on a night out at an event or something I'm always just chatting to random people just little conversing here and there or uh, when I was like playing at events and stuff like that just chatting to the DJs like whether the sort of the headline that's been booked or my pals that are playing or just someone else like it's always good just to, to meet new people and chat so yeah I thought Took, took your advice yeah. there just going with it and just doing it and uh, yeah definitely motivated me to like do you know what stop being saying this for like you know since the first lockdown I'd love to do a podcast so I just need to get out, get out and do it don't you really yeah the class thing about it as well mate is um, like if you were trying to get someone to do a mix for you or get someone to do something for your brand or whether it be inviting them to DJ or that like the thing about podcasts is most of the time the conversation is going to be about the guest 
So it's kind of it's, it's it's a win win for the person coming on. Like like if you're trying to get a bigger artist, say it's like a, it's a chance for them to come on and tell their story. People can find out about them, so it's it, it's good in that sense. Yeah, definitely. And, like, uh, I love I love uh, Jack Mate's podcast, um, Happy Hour podcast. It's not like with Joe Rogan's. It's not really that some of them are quite interviewing, others are just chatting shit and uh, having a laugh and stuff, um, or speaking about like MMA and stuff. But I feel like Jack Mates, he he, he does he does quite like not necessarily like interview interview style, but he does chat about the guests quite a bit, which is. Like you could put like um that TGF bro. I've watched them since I was about 14, 15 on YouTube. And when they went on, it was just like nice to say like hear like things that are outside of YouTube and and sort of more personal to them, which is mm-hmm. which I enjoy. But yeah, it's good, good listening to podcasts there and sort of find out more about artists and uh, and uh, other people. Yeah, definitely. There's a massive medium as well now, mate. Like um you're seeing so many podcasts pop up and uh like as well, it's a job now. Like it's it can be you can monetize a podcast, get sponsorships, get deals through it. There's there's a lot of opportunities um through it, and like, I think a lot of people are starting to realize that now. Like you're seeing like comedians and different like um, personalities and then like the sort of public uh, coming out and starting their own podcast. And like it's amazing. There's a there's a Scottish guy that does one, and he literally just talks for half an hour, and he's like an activist. Like a sort of a social commentator, and they're amazing, mate. That and, he, and he's just sitting in a room talking. It's it's mental. Yeah, it's class. I definitely like. I just do it for a bit, bit of fun. And you sort of touched on earlier then about sort of like players and stuff. Like that's definitely something that I got caught up a lot with my with my tunes and stuff. Uh, I still check it now. Like I'm always like going on to SoundCloud just to sort of see sort of any notifications and stuff. Uh, recently released uh, a track, "Take It Easy," uh, and that like I think it got like. About 1.2k in the first four days because it gets in like the upload album and stuff like that, which is pretty decent. I think it's on like 30 odd downloads. But I used to properly like be checking it all the time, and now it's like I might just flip through it every, every like a couple yeah. times a day. And to be fair, I'm not too bothered now if they perform. But I think one thing I want to try and do with this podcast is just avoid any analytics for for the first few months, just sort of see what happens. Um Obviously, I'll see sort of like the socials, like Instagram and stuff, but I think I just want to kind of avoid that and just sort of see what happens, where it goes, and then sort of go from there. Like, be uh, be good to sort of, you know, in a few years, make a living definitely from sort of DJing, releasing music and uh, doing a podcast. I think that, that definitely would be a goal. Like, but I mean, just chatting, chatting shit to people. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's not exactly, a bad hobby. As, as long as you're enjoying it. Um, and that's the thing for me so far it's still so much fun every episode I've had at the end of it I'm like that was class I really enjoyed that and then like the other day I got a notification and like the wee so the thing you upload your podcast to when it's Spotify audio only is like you have just reached a thousand downloads and like I was like oh that's class do you know what I mean like nothing happened there was nothing and then I started this and now I've had a thousand downloads on Spotify and as you said like I think it's important to acknowledge it and be like, well, that's, well, that's something. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, definitely. It's not, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you can't let it affect what you're doing. So I've got a thousand. That's great. But I'm going to continue what I'm doing anyway, no matter if it's 10 or if it's a thousand. And eventually things will come. You just need to be patient. Yeah, definitely. And after 16 podcasts, and what's that, like three months of sort of uploading? Four months? Yeah. Four months. Yeah, about four months. Yeah. No, that's class. Good achievement. So yeah. And uh, did you celebrate it? Do you have any, any bevs or? Hi, <laughs> mate. Got got the moe out. <laughs> no, uh, no, I was just like, I just, I got a notification. I was like, oh, that's quite cool, man. And that's only Spotify as well. So you've got like the YouTube yeah. views and stuff like that as well. So it's good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, 
So we'll move on uh, sort of a few sort of questions more like music related now. Um, mm-hmm. She sort of, again, this could be sort of electronic music, uh, disc jockeys, uh, just bands in general. Sort of who would you say be sort of your favourite artists? Um, just in, yeah, in general or of all time? Yeah. Uh, so my music taste is quite like, um, I would say it's been through like periods in my life. So from a young age, well, my dad is like a massive guitar head, so more like U2, Simple Minds, kind of bands of that kind of era. And uh, being younger, that was always on in the background, with my mum being more into like ABBA and um, sort of like pop, rock kind of music. Um, but none of them, like they, neither of them are into DJing, neither of them are into house or techno or anything electronic. So I don't really know where that comes from. I remember being so younger, it was that, and then I got to about let me think, 14, 15, and I remember going to Ibiza on, like, a family holiday and um, walking by, like, uh, Mambo and seeing the DJ decks and seeing there was this, like, big gig on and it was, like, Tiesto and Steve Angelo. And the next day, I actually went back to the apartment and downloaded, like, an, a DJ app on my iPad. So, obviously, by the pool, kid, on I'm DJing, whatever. And then I think from that, it sort of just gradually progressed and then I got into, like, Swedish House Mafia and then... EDM at that time was massive. It was like Tomorrowland was as big as it'd been. You had festivals like Ultra and all that, and you used to watch all the live streams. Um, I remember watching Hardwell's documentary, which is funny to think about now because I, I wouldn't be able to listen to that music for 30 seconds. But um, the, eventually, electronic music, and then I got a set of decks for Christmas. And then from about 15 to 18, it was that stage where people started to have house parties and then... The, I would be on the tunes, I would be on the speaker or whatever, and then I would take my decks and DJ, and then um, just progressively made my way into more house and techno genres. I think, um, have you seen Jack Master's Boiler Room with Armin Van Helden? Um, probably have. Probably have, yeah. Is that the so one? I've seen the, one of these ones it was like, in Glasgow. Uh, no, it was like a Ray-Ban event in London or something like that. But my, I, um, I recognise it, I just can't picture yeah. it at the minute, but yeah. One of my one of my pals, big brothers, uh, big sister's boyfriend, we were in just chilling in the house and um, we were listening to music and he like grabbed my phone and he was like, have you seen this? And showed me Jackmaster. And up until that point, I had never been, I didn't really know what house music was. I knew about EDM, I knew about all the kind of more commercial genres, but I didn't really know much about house music. And watching that was like, right, okay, what, what's going on here, man? Like, what are these sounds? What are these tunes? And uh, I think from there, I just got more interested and that side of things. And then 18, 19, going into Glasgow, started to, to DJ publicly, find myself in bars and just meeting people and being like, you're looking for DJs. So I, I'm trying to think if I, I covered it all there, pretty much. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, sort of <clears throat> similar with mine in a sense of like, it's different periods of your life. You listen to like different stuff. Like it was always um, sort of like indie music but then when I was about sort of like 16 17 18 sort of DJing it like sort of like got a pair of decks like my 18th and did like a, the odd like house party or pre's and stuff when we used to go out yep. and I remember like mixing I, I had a like hardwell tune I had like um, Head to a Roll which is still a banger but like stuff like that like the like housey EDM-y sort of yeah yeah sort of stuff like that Um, obviously maybe like the odd Armand Van Helden Tiesto, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and then I was like, into like um, sort of niche um, tracks, like your bass lines and stuff like that, like Yorkshire bass line, Tom Zanetti and, and uh, proper Chava tunes. 
So it wasn't really until I went to Newcastle where seeing that Patrick Topping, um, like Dennis Salter and all these other artists. So I kind of got into the tech house side when I was in first year and then started getting into more of the like Irish house style, like the AVA sort of stuff. Like watching mm-hmm. a lot of boiler rooms for like AVA, watching a few like Jack Master Scream. Yeah. And it was, um, I think Boiler Room did like a, an interview with Scream where it's like just like certain sets you've done and sort of like Boiler Rooms. So there's like the Disclosure Boiler Room, which is with Scream, yeah, which is probably one of the, the best ones. And there's is one that where the one that, that they throw like pillows about it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like proper duck, like feather pillows. So just <laughs> yeah, feathers yeah. everywhere. And then there's one where, I want to say it was in DJ in Scotland. I could be getting that completely wrong. And he just picks up one of the decks and just hoys it off the stage. <laughs> actually i completely missed a full period like i went proper indie at one point mate like i had a mod cut and all that like full scale sideburns like park me and my mates used to wear parkers everywhere i think we were the gallica brothers and uh I, it's, it's weird i don't know I, all the time there's a photo of uh me and two of my mates and me and my mate have both got like side sideburns and my other mate's got an afro and like we just look at it like what were we fucking doing man <laughs> it's like it's such a when you get involved in a scene like that it's just so like i had a, i played bass guitar in like a wee band to be honest it wasn't even a band we used to go up to my mates and play guitars in his shed but um yeah, I don't know. I've always been involved in music and loved music, but I the the mod phase was a was a weird few years. <laughs> yeah, I used to love. I've always loved that. Um, this is England, like Shea Meadows and stuff like that. Like just that. Mm-hmm. But I've always like loved the eighties and stuff. But it's more like the style and like obviously you've, you've got sort of that um, sort of bad impression of like some skinheads because of obviously like racism and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The actual sort of like real like so i say me mm-hmm. and skinhead and that music is like it's embracing like they listen yeah. to like reggae stuff like the music they listen to comes from black culture and stuff like that so it's quite an inclusive sort of culture but you did obviously have that the negative connotations and, yeah and the, the sort of bad minority that represented them but i used to always like love left side like i still love wearing fred perry but when mm. i was um yeah like because i went to uni when i was 18 dropped out and went back up when i was 19 um, when I went with, when I was eighteen, I went like with all my mates from school. I think it was like twelve of us in our year that actually went up to Newcastle for uni, and there's like a good six of us that that we'd still hang around quite a bit. So we used to listen to like Stone Roses, um, Smiths, like yeah. of like eighties uh, reggae, like Toots and the Matos. So we'd all be listening to that. Like I remember like buying a Ben Sherman and stuff like going out when I was like when we just started going out when we were eighteen, either Fred Perry or like stuff like that. I didn't have the haircut, but. Uh, Oh um, mate, I, I, I was in deep man. I was I was committed, mate. <laughs> um, I, I I yeah, we went to see the Stone Roses, like bands like Kasabian, Arctic Monkeys, The View, um, Scottish band The View. You heard of them? They um no, same jeans. You know the song, same jeans. I reckon I'll know it, but I just can't. Yeah, can't. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Yes, yeah, so they're from Dundee. Mate. I went to see them religiously. Like I did not miss a, a gig in Glasgow or Edinburgh. I didn't like that for years. Um. But then, like, just sort of grew out of that phase, and then started going to, going to raves and going to to clubs, and that was sort of yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, I, I was in such a mixed bag when I was like eighteen. Like, we'd at priest, I was just like the tunes that we'd play could be anything from Billy Ocean to Madness to then be playing like just some like grime or something like Jamie or something like just yeah, proper mixture of tunes. Um, and then again, it but you could got like your bass lines and stuff like that. 
Yeah. And then I feel like when you get to like your second year at uni, I think that's when you sort of find what's your, like you find your own nights, your own styles. Cause we used to go to like all the mainstream promo nights and stuff like that. And then now it's uh, like more yeah, that, underground scene. Yeah. I've thought about this before as well. And I'm sort of like, when you get like more commercial house music and you get more commercial music, I think it's just like people that aren't really, they're like surface level sort of music fans and they don't, they're not really fussed about digging for the like genres that aren't popular and they just sort of like accept what's what they hear and just be like, yeah, that's what's what I listen to, which is fine. Like what whatever floats your boat, man. But like, I think when you become a music person and you start to, when you get older, you do delve a bit more and you start thinking, right, I'm a bit fed up with this. What, what's new? What can I listen to? Where can I go? And then that's how you end up. Like when I think about my DJ and like my ear, like my ear in terms of what I play and what I try and make or whatever, like even now compared to like four years ago, it's completely different. And uh, I just think that comes from like being so interested in being uh, like interested in developing your sound. Do you know what I mean? And I just think some people aren't fussed about that. And that's fair, man. But um, I don't know. No, yeah, 100% agree with you. And then, it's like, yeah, I'd go to, like, mainstream events when I, like, f- uh, in my first year at uni, did, like, mainstream program and stuff. And it was, like, you got, like, your mediocre sort of, like, house, things that everyone knows or, like, your, your charity stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started getting into, like, my disco and stuff. So when I first started DJing, I played a lot of disco sets. Um, but then that's still quite, like, that's sort of, like, the surface level then as if the underground scene, if you put it that mm-hmm. way, where, like, people love that, that disco events, which is, which is good. And then I just got more, like I say, you get more interested and you start digging deeper. And then that's, now I find myself like listening to like, sort of like 90s sort of ravey tunes. I've been getting into like, sort of like ghetto house, or like ghetto kind of stuff, like stuff on Child's Play yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So Mint producer called YTP and stuff like that, because it's somewhat a bit different, like, mm-hmm. sort of like ghetto electric uh, sort of keeps stuff. It, but, it keeps it fresh, definitely. Yeah, like I'm constantly like, I feel like every six months I'm finding something new, but because I'm not really playing out much sort of now I'm not really getting in, into any other genres but yeah yeah I started playing soul jam events um they do like events up in the UK they're done Glasgow and Edinburgh and that's like nice anything that's sort of like pre-70 well 70s or sort of around that era which is just soul funk disco and stuff like that and some of the tunes nice. are proper creative because like you, you'll have like um sort of we are family is like one that you just kind of just throw in everyone knows but you'll mm-hmm. find some like obviously Aretha Franklin, Shaka Khan, and then you've got even smaller that are just like, yeah. just properly finding these old soul classics. But it was uh, another lad that kind of runs the events and uh, just just messaged him kind of off chance just to see if there's all in Leeds. And uh, he just told me to get a mix over, uh, gave him a mix, got me on board. And like, it was just a good challenge to like try and find something different and just, it's a genre of music, which is unreal and a great time for music, but it was like a challenge to like, right, how can I go about acquiring like, you know, four or five hours worth of mm-hmm. of these tracks and all good quality tracks as well. Yeah, I had that recently. Uh, we went to Warehouse Project, like I mentioned to you the last time I spoke to you, and um, that that was one of those um, weekends that like seeing DJs like Joy Orbison and um, Ben UFO was a big like a, uh, turning point I would say and like things that I'm looking for and the sound that I want to kind of carry forward because it's just so it was very breakbeat um garage like uh electronic like a lot of sounds that I hadn't really heard very interesting music and uh the only thing about that though is when I was talking to my mates but this it's, there's not a big scene for that in Glasgow but I don't I don't think people are that asked about it um there's definitely like a niche corner of uh 
DJs and music fans that are uh, looking for stuff like that. But like the vast majority, if you go to any club, even sub club or whatever literature venues in Glasgow, like people just want the party. Like in Scot, I think it's more in. I noticed in Manchester there was a lot of jungle and like jungle and garages are a lot more based in like the the culture of the history of like um English rave culture or whatever you want to call it. But um in Glasgow, mate, people people on the arse, they just want a, a big build up and a drop and they want to send it for for however long they're in the club, which is fair enough. But like um I'd love to, I'd love to play like a set like that. Yeah, which is a lot right. more um sound and things like that. But aye, what you got on you go? <clears throat> yeah, I would say like uh, worst project. I think you do get that because it's sort of that, it does seem that kind of vibe. Um, but like Newcastle, Manchester, huge on like uh, jungle, D&B, um, mm-hmm. that sort of electro as well. I think, I, 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 I don't know if it's more of like, I wouldn't even, I can't even say it's a Northern English thing because you've got like Bristol. I'm pretty sure like jungle either originated in Bristol or London. I could be getting this completely wrong, but I'm, mm-hmm. I want to say it's like Bristol because that's a big like D&B scene. And yeah. uh, the OG Goldie, you know, I think he's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. had a lot of lot of big sets down in Bristol and stuff. But yeah, like I, I, I definitely know Newcastle and Manchester as that scene. So I guess sort of like playing a bit more of electro vibe to it probably does fit quite well. Um, but yeah, when I went to Warehouse Project, it did seem quite that, quite like that. It's got that sort of like 90s sort of like yeah. kind of nostalgic place when I went, I feel. I was just I, I hadn't well the lineup was created by Fortet, so I think a lot of the the, the artists on there were very like um different not very commercial like there was yeah. DJs and things like that that were very underground and like I think a lot of the people in the crowd were probably DJs or very into their electronic music. Um but yeah it was I was I came away from that for like often to up my game and find find uh, deeper, darker sounds because it was fucking amazing. Yeah, I always get motivated after seeing sort of like 100%. artists like that but yeah I mean I suppose like a lot of the the Welsh projects are tailored to sort of one kind of vibe or one kind of sound like you, you'll get sort of like the uh, the main room techno stuff like Adam Bayer and stuff like that and then uh, like the one I went to was like the, the Annie Mac Presents one um, with like uh, Dennis Sultan Melody Annie yeah. Mac which can kind of fit in like a, a similar niche to each other um, but yeah there's a lot of uh sort of them like dark electro and sort of very underground nights in Newcastle. There's a lot of like small venues. Um so you get a good mix. You get like Ben UFO plays quite a bit. He plays quite a bit of like electro like Joy Obson. They're all quite big names that play in Newcastle frequently, I'm pretty sure. Um but then you'll get like your mixture as well, like your your melodies and uh more grabs and stuff like that. Um but yeah how was how was Warehouse Project then? Oh Honestly, mate, amazing. I could I could talk all night about it. Um, just one of those weekends, it went perfectly, mate. We went down on the Friday, went to a, a club called the White Hotel the night before, which was, I mean, it was... Because in Glasgow, the licence is 3am, so, like, the thing with Glasgow is, when you go out, the reason that people say Glasgow is so mental is because most people only have, like, three, four hours of partying, and so in that duration, people just need to go fucking mental. Um, but whereas, like, when you go down to places like Manchester and that... Clubs are open till seven, so it's not as much a sprint as it is a marathon. There's like more of a time to enjoy yourself, like just getting into the music. And I found it well, but Warehouse Project was on from like two, two till two, and then the White Hotel the night before was twelve till seven. Whereas in Glasgow, when we go to sub club, it's like the club opens at eleven, it shuts at four or three. You you would maybe get there at twelve, so you've got three hours. So that's why that's why I think it's so mental. Um, 
a warehouse project the whole weekend was sick, mate. Um, the White Hotel was like, so as I was saying, I've written shots at three in Glasgow, so the White Hotel to us was like an illegal rave. Like it was like so somewhere we would go that you're not supposed to go, do you know what I mean? Um, and it's open at like five and like five in the morning, tunes are still blasting, so it was class, mate. And then Warehouse Project was just brilliant. We booked like an Airbnb and uh, we took decks down. So before going out, we had the tunes going and all, all three of my mates, we were all, they're all DJs too, so we were just playing tunes. Um, it was brilliant, mate. Honestly, it was good. we're actually going back. It was that good. We're going back. <laughs> we're yeah, going it sounds, in, uh, it sounds good. Though. We've got ticket tickets for New Year's Day, um, so that should be class. It's like that. Well, the lineup for that day is a lot more like um house disco, like fun tunes. It's like uh, Palms Tracks, Honey, Todd Terje, Bless Madonna, Jada G, people like that. So yeah, that's awesome. Looking, looking forward to going back, mate. Yeah, Honey's absolutely unreal. Um, seeing him in uh, World Headquarters in Newcastle just. Class, absolutely yeah. class, but that sounds such a good lineup. Like, it's it, it's like that sort of, yeah, more like happy sort of disco. Aye, just be so much fun, mate. Sort of electro sort of vibe, yeah, that'd be sick. Yep. That'd be sick. Um, so sort of like moving on then from sort of warehouse project, what would you say sort of like the best festival or like event that you've been to? Well, you say moving on, mate, fucking, it might be warehouse project. Be hard to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I've, um, let me think, let me think. Where have I been? Um, it will. I went to um, in Ibiza, Elro and Amnesia is one of the coolest things I've witnessed. Um, that Not so much like tunes or club or like, it was genuinely just the, the show and the experience. Have you been to an Elro event or anything like that? No, they've had them in Newcastle um, mm-hmm. and they've always looked like good events yeah. that I wanted to go so, to. And they did them at the digital, the- but I've, yeah, yeah. The theme we went was um, nomads, so it was like pirate themed. So there was a lot of like ships and people on stilts, and um, it was just it was crazy, mate. I've never seen it like it. It was like a, it was like a carnival inside the club. It was nuts. Um, and then what else? Went to Terminal V in Scotland once, and um, which is like the the art the the lineup is predominantly um, techno and like house. But the one year they had a tent called the Greenhouse Disco Tent. And the lineup was like Horsemeat Disco, Mr. G, Derek Carter, um, and a few other, a few other people. And uh, we, me and my mate, just spent the whole day there. It was like sunny. It was a disco tent. Uh, it was feel good. And then um, we just stayed there all day. We got put on the bus after it. And all my mates were like, "Where the fuck ways, man? Like we went to see Patrick Top. We went to see Floorplan. We were like, mate, we were up the back of the disco tent, like, like <laughs> dan- dan- dancing all night, man. It was brilliant." Um, but yeah, off the top of my head, and then pro- to be honest, I know you said moving on, but Warehouse Project to date is probably one of the most memorable weekends I've had. But that was that's more not in terms of like um, fun or that that was more like music wise and like as yeah. a as a as someone who loves music as a DJ going to witness that, that kind of thing like that, that blew me away for sure. Yeah, well, like when I went there, like it was it was mint. Um, but I think yeah, I think I think mine to be fair would be like. I said it last episode with Meg, I'm pretty sure, like, AVA Festival, but I think it's sort mm-hmm. of the, the excitement as well of, like, catching a flight to go to a festival, even though it's, you know, it's only over the pond, um, Belfast, but, Man- like, Manchester's, like, just down the road from me, really, but that was yeah. insane, but I think, yeah, AVA, I think it's because there was the likes of Bicep and Dennis Stuller on the first year I went, it was just like walking in, just eyes just wide open, just like just try to take it all in, like overwhelming. It was it was class. And then you've got like the boiler room stage as well, which is obviously like infamous the uh, the uh, AVA um, mm-hmm. boiler room. And uh, yeah, it was just just absolutely mint, 
absolutely mint. But I mean, yeah, been a been somewhere like good good festivals and events over the years. Mint Fest recently was was good. Um, we just stayed like there was a trick stage. So obviously Patrick Topping um, and and quite a few other good acts, which was was good. Mm-hmm. But then to be fair, not we went to Hedrow House the other week, which was decent, which is like a it was like a small room in like it's like a like a four story or three story like bar um, and they have like their own like function kind of rooms and that's more like the well, undergroundy bar that people would go to and went there and it was nice being in more of an intimate venue like I think that's something that I've missed like from lockdown like the events I've been to have been pretty much festivals mm-hmm. or events I've, I've missed yeah. going to like like world headquarters with my mates and stuff like that which is just probably by far my favourite club in Newcastle and just seeing, like, I remember seeing Ross and Friends and all in one night. I think that, and, and Dennis Salter there as well, another time. And I think that's when I was really, really getting into, like, DJing and more, like, um, enjoying events and thinking, like, oh, I want to be at a DJ. Um, and everything was quite new. And I think they're the best ones, like, the intimate ones I think I prefer, like. Oh, for sure, mate. Um, we, I remember one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Um, we, I went to see Kasabian and our venue in Edinburgh called the Corn Exchange. And it was, like, they were headlining Leeds Fest or something, and so they, they did like three UK warm up gigs, and one of them was in Corn Exchange, and it's literally like I think it's about four hundred and fifty capacity, which I mean, Kasabian could sell out any arena in the UK. So to see them in there, it was just and it was mental. In fact, there's videos on YouTube and that you can see me in them. I'm on my pal's shoulders, uh, jumping a bit like a dafty. Um, but I, as you said, and the more intimate the better, because you can go and see arenas and they're good, but when you're when they're right there in your face. And you're in a pure sweat box. It's just it's, it's yeah, definitely, definitely. I seen um uh, Maka, uh, DJ obviously from uh, uh, Glasgow. Um, he went to see Easy Life in Leeds, and they're a band that I've really like enjoyed the music for like a, a good couple of years now. And I, I don't even know. I've not I've not really checked many sort of like bands gigs. To be fair, I think I've just been sort of just getting on with with life now after lockdown. But yeah, like that was I think it was on a Sunday night in Leeds, and Easy Life are just unreal band and uh yeah got it to say the least uh another chap i've got on instagram called Kaelic, uh from he's from ireland and he went to see dmas if a night as well like they just absolutely love them like i think i, want, I definitely want to go see a few more bands in some sort of like more uh enclosed venues if i can but um yeah i think they just i don't think there's anything better really than being sort of like right in the middle of live music whether it's yeah. DJs a band singers or whatever it just yeah for me that's just yeah better than mm-hmm. sort of anything else really yeah um yeah so that's sort of, sort of spoke about sort of uh, favorite events and festivals there but what's sort of the best event that you've played at I've seen you was in Stubby recently as well um, yeah um the best event that I've played at mate I played <laughs> I played my mate's 18th uh, in, a, in, a, in his cabin, mate, and it was on for about six hours. <laughs> six <laughs> hours, by the way. Off the top of my head, that was one of the wildest I've played. No, um, thinking about clubs and events. Um, let me th- aye, sub club, mate. It's, um, I mean, as you were saying about that place in Newcastle, you said it's one of the best. Like, If anyone from Glasgow is a DJ and is interested in this, the scene and stuff like that, sub club is just where it's at, man. It's... To, to be able to say that I've played it multiple times now is like beyond a joke. Like it, it's quite surreal. Um, but I, every time you step into that booth, like I've been in it a lot of times as a as a raver or as a punter, and um, 
just stepping into the booth and touching the decks and being like, fuck me, man, like I'm actual, it's my turn tonight, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, uh, it's crazy. But in terms of like crowds and that, I'm trying to think. I, I played in Stirling um, and uh, Fubar and uh, Jasper James was headlining and I played like, I was on the lineup and I played sort of like the back room and I, I, I'm about, I live about 20 minutes for Stirling so I took like a crowd with me, about 20, 25 people. We all got the train through Um and we were just all steaming and uh, it was like I played to basically all my pals and then maybe 20 other people and uh, it was brilliant mate that was that was a buzz that was quite fun um, and I, fin- I finished with Lionel Richie all night long absolutely banger absolutely banger yeah quickly moving on I've got a good question it's called to mind because my answer is horrific but what do you reckon sort of like the it's most like either the worst or like most outlandish tune that you've you've played whether it's a bar gig like an actual event just something that in hindsight you sh- maybe yeah, you should have played or just something like just oh, something just I, weird see I, I don't know mate i think i think when it comes to djing there's no rules man i think that when you're when you're in control of the decks it's up to you you get to you get to make the call and it's like it can go brilliantly or it can go terribly but um i think sometimes djs put their egos before themselves and i've witnessed that a few times like if you're in a room full of people that maybe aren't into the most, like, the deepest genres and that they're more into, like, commercial music. And you, if you put yourself before that, then maybe they're not going to have as great a time as they could have. If you were to just maybe let go of your ego a wee bit and just, like, play maybe some cheesy tunes, play some yeah. more commercial things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I enjoy it. Fully um, agree, fully agree. Because um, you get, like, like, no, I would never play that. And it's like, but, mate, it's not about you. It's about... It's about the people that are in the bar having, and your job is to make sure that they have a good time and make sure they're dancing. Um, but in terms of, let me think, man, some just some outrageous. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would say like, oh, I don't know. It's a tough one. I, I do you know. What I think it is, mate. I think that I just don't really get embarrassed about stuff like that, and so yeah. I'm trying to think of a time where I'm like embarrassed about playing something, but I don't really care. Um, I mean, I've played. I've played a good few remixes of WAP recently, it's a and that seems fair. to go. Uh, they go down like Biz, Big Miz has got an edit, and it's a fucking topper. Um, and I suppose you're playing that for like the nineteen twenty year old girls that are in the room or whatever that love Cardi B. But I don't know, man. Um, the most outlandish tune I've ever played. It's a good question, but I can't really think off the top of my head. Maybe something like. Even then, Nelly Furtado bangs as well. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah, like, it's not that cheesy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like they're, they're, they're good tunes. So, nah, I don't know, man. Yeah I'm, gonna start, yeah, I'm gonna start having to ask every guest. Mine's uh, it was um, we started, I played um, in a, a sort of an event called Time Trip, and that's where I met Meg and we played sort of started playing back to backs, and that's sort of where I kind of built my name in, in the scene in uh, Newcastle when I was at uni. Um, and uh, I'd got quite confident in the sense of like, I was sort of confident in my abilities to DJ and I was like wanting to have, you know, good time and, and, and sort of drop that whole ego thing of like trying to, you know, see like, like seem cool and, and, and mm-hmm. have all these, these good tunes and stuff. And uh, remember like the, the uh, E. Capella uh, Morgrove Feel Good House, like if you was like, I remember when that first came out, like you were like, it was like having like Blur's White Dragon in, in sense of like having, you know, good tunes and stuff for, for events. Yeah. Um, but I kind of dropped all that and I was like, what can I play that's like somewhat a bit that 
they'll get people going, but it, it it's like it's another bit of confidence playing something that like a bit risky, isn't it? Um, and I remember yeah. seeing Dennis Sutter drop. Um, he dropped like a Destiny's Child tune, um, mm-hmm. and he mixed it with something else, and it was sick because everyone buzzed over it. So I was like just thinking of like tunes that I could play similar to that, like that kind of like cheesy pop style. And anyway, I just downloading loads of tunes, and then I don't know why I had this tune on my laptop because I was going through like the the tracks I had with uh, one of the promoters like a few nights before, and I had um, Chris Jericho theme tune on my USB <laughs> stick. <laughs> So I was like, oh, break I down the walls. So I was like, yeah. So I was like, oh, should I play that? He was like, well, no. And then I was arsehole at the end of the night with Meg. And uh, I was like to Meg, I was like, oh, should I play this? Chris Jericho theme tune. She was like, whatever, yeah. Don't think she realised what it was. So I just dropped this, break down the walls. And then, uh, and then you know, people were still dancing, but it's such like like a rock song kind of in it it's yeah. just but I, i'm there pissing myself at like yeah, steaming yeah. like That's you know at the end of the night it's there's not Actually, too many punters in when i i went to see ketama recently he finished with slow tide doorman which i thought was pretty cool that was a cool one to finish um i'm always intri- intrigued in uh, what dj's last tune is because you know that way when it's sort of the music fades out and then everyone's ready to go and they play last one last one like I've seen yeah. Scream, he played like uh, "Touch Me in the Morning," Molina Mal- Shaw. Yeah, and like Bang stuff it. like that is good, man. But like, yeah. um, I don't know when you are talking there. But it's Sugar Babes, push the button. Yeah, it's that's a tune a, as well. That's a tune. <laughs> it's, it's quite a cheesy one that catches people off. Yeah, like I used to play in uh, like doing bar gigs, and it was quite like studently. So a lot of the tunes I'd play would be like a mixture of like old disco, then pop. But like the pop, yep. I, I'd always, I always play like I emphasis. I always play tunes that I like. I'd never play a tune mm-hmm. that I, I didn't like to, to to please anyone, unless it was like a request and I'd play a bar gig. Um, but yeah, like I'd, I'd always play a bit of like Spice Girls and stuff like that. Some of yeah. them are bangers, to be fair. Um, but yeah, so I played probably some outrageous stuff when it comes to bar gigs, but it, it usually works. Hundred percent, mate. I'd like finish playing like. Bass, not bass line, but I finish playing like T2 Heartbroken and stuff like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And but I try yep. always mix it up. But speaking on sort of like final tunes, I've all, I've got a playlist like of 27 tunes, which is if I ever did like a closing set, it's some it's stuff that I'd play. Um mm-hmm. and I've got like Freedom George Michael, like that'd be cool yeah, to finish yeah, yeah. on. Um Black Water by Oxy One, which is just a, a, a banger. Then I've got like more dancey ones like Grease 2000. Um I'm just trying to think. So I've got like uh, maybe a couple of trans tunes and then when the sun goes down, Arctic Monkeys. Like I've just got a no, mixture no, of stuff that like you could sing to um, maybe songs that are a bit vibey. Yeah. Like Bad Space Habits by uh, Said Wildblood. Which yeah, is yeah. A, a banger. That's but yeah, just got, got a mixture of stuff. Fool's Gold as well by Stone Roses. I can imagine yeah. that. But I'd always want to like, I'd play my last tune then I'll just start doing that thing, just, you know, clap in and then just bring it down and everyone thinks it's the end of the show and it's like another four minutes and then that's when yeah. I bang Stone Rose and something like that. Like that would be... One, uh, one of my mates played um, Young Folks in Subby as one of their last tunes. You know, the whistle. And mate, it's, it's yeah, like, it's it's like 134 yeah. BPM or something like that. And um, so it was class, mate. It was just, I, I love that. I like, like just having fun, mate, at the end because I have these everybody's gone man everybody's well out their face yeah. and just ready to have like yeah a i think like some like singing so. would be good um yeah there's one tune that i used to I, I um i played christmas um 20 
maybe in 2018, 2019, 2019, going into 2020, obviously before the lockdown. And have you ever heard All I Want for Christmas is Cute by DJ Q? It's no. uh, it's Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. And then when she gets like, All I Want for Christmas is You, and then it just goes on for a bit and everyone's kind of like expecting, obviously like song to continue and it just goes into mm-hmm. bass line. And then no. it's sort of banger. I think, I think it does it on the drop and like it just... I've heard like, that. I've heard of DJQ. I've got a few of his tunes. Yeah, think. and that was a uh, so jokes because I played it before at a Christmas party. Uh, I think it was like Meg's, like uh, her uni lot was like a, a big like social dude. There must have been about a good couple hundred of them. And uh, yeah, I just played that, and they were like, they come on and people are ready to sing, and then some guy's face was like, he was like, what the fuck? And then the bass like come in, so he just started going like gun fingers and like he was going. <laughs> yeah. It was so like the, the change of his like expression within like a few seconds was mad um that's what's another, about, another mix i did was uh obviously my right carry all i want for christmas is you and then i just switched it in for soldier boy <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely jokes like but because people just expect to sing along and they hear that and they're like absolutely roused out the red and they're like oh banger but yeah it's uh it was quite fun playing the baggies because as much as it's like not something that i'd want to sort of progressing to doing obviously you want to do the events the, you learn like how to read a crowd and keep a crowd engaged as much as it's different music it's still that same like sort of mm-hmm. you know yeah, skills that you're based. learning experience yeah yep but it was good fun it was good fun um so yeah moving on let's uh talk a bit about yourself sort of outside music what what do you sort of do day to day and sort of what are your other interests yep so um well, like any young guy for a young age, it was always football. Um, and then when I got to about 17, 18, I got a bit fed up of it. I was I was all right. It was decent, but I was never going to make it. And it gets to that stage where you start to think, oh, Sunday mo- Saturday morning, Sunday morning, can we ask getting out of bed playing football? So I, um, I loved the UFC at the time. And uh, I, I was like, right, I, I want to get involved. So I started doing um, jiu-jitsu, going to a place called Scottish Hat Squad and uh Coat Bridge, which is just outside Glasgow, which is kind of one of the biggest MMA gyms in Scotland. Uh, and I've been training there for about nearly five years now. Um, so I do jiu-jitsu and then other interests, keeping fit, just um, spending time with pals and that. Um, but yeah, jiu-jitsu has become a, a main one. Uh, I've kind of, over the last wee while, taken it a, bit, a lot more seriously. And um, I've got a match coming up at the start of December, so training hard for that. Good luck, that good luck. Thanks, mate. It does take up a lot of time, man. It's like um, you need to train a lot, you need to um, dedicate yourself. So yeah, it's tough, but and it also it's like it's kind of like um, there's like a contrast between what I do with music and what I do with jujitsu. So like obviously music is focused around going out, DJing, late nights, obviously drinking, partying, all that kind of stuff. And then it's it's exactly the opposite of what I do. So try to find the balance between sort of the two sides of my life is quite difficult. Um, takes a lot of discipline. I can imagine, yeah. It's like something that I really want to get into is uh, is definitely uh, martial arts, JJ. So I'd love to, I'd love to learn. But I think my main one would be kickboxing. Like I just want to be able to do just some mad kicks. Like I just think it's more like learning the skill and being fit and and getting active by doing something rather than just you know going on a treadmill or lifting weights. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, like I'm sort of in a stage where I'm just finding it difficult to to sort of 
fit everything in. Like I, I do have the time, I can make the time, but it's like, yeah, working Monday to Friday, then seeing pals on a weekend, try to do music or a podcast on a night, and then, you know, chilling as well and watching, like you're relaxing on a night. It's, try, it's, it's hard to find that balance because like, what I want to do is, you know, get into the sort of like kickboxing, that mixed martial arts stuff, or maybe get back into football, but it's just, it's easy and enjoyable going out on the weekend. Like it's what we enjoy doing. We, we love music, but it's, it's late nights. It's, mm. it's drinking, it's seeing pals and stuff. It's a, uh, so yeah, it's like well done for, you know, finding that balance or working on it. Yep. So how many times a, a week do you train then? Every day, mate. Yeah. Um, so like for, for this, this next one coming up, I'll probably rest like one day a week, but aside from that, I'll be, um, like two hours of jiu-jitsu a day or um, and then maybe some days doing gym and that and then some days just the gym and I've got a, I get a program off a guy who's like specifically for the sport that I do so it's like a strength and conditioning program so that's at the gym um, but yeah with this fight coming up man I, I'm going sober for the next few weeks but focusing um, but as you said it's it takes discipline it's difficult man you're, you're going to gigs and people are inviting you to things and you're like right I'll take the car and because uh, getting on, it's enjoyable, mate. Having a drink is, you know, yourself, it's, it's class, but um, it just depends how bad you want it. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I really, I, and so I, ju- I just recently had a match and I took it on late notice. So I maybe knew in like four or five days in advance. And I had been DJing a lot, one of the busiest periods I've had actually with DJing, and um, was not in shape, not in the shape that I needed to be. And I lost. And I, I just was like acting myself, right? That's, that's, I'm not doing that again. I need to make sure that I'm disciplined the next time. Definitely. Is it gi but, or no gi? Uh, but both, mate. But my matches no gi. Well, I train, but I train both. Um, but uh, the, the matches no gi. Um, it's quite good. It's on a, it's on like a grappling invitational thing, which is in Glasgow. Um, and there's quite a like a, a lot of the high level black belts across the UK are competing on it as well. So it should be a cool experience, mate. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. But like starting martial arts has been one of the most beneficial things for sure, and like, I would recommend it to anyone. Um. Not even in terms of fitness or like confidence and things like that, just like um discipline and, and working hard. And like for me as well, at the time I started that, I just came out of high school. And I think there's a strange thing with guys where when they even when they've never boxed, they've never trained, they think they can fight and they think that there's like a sense of like I have to I have to seem tough. And when you're playing football, you know yourself, you're on the park and something happens at a corner and they're like, Oh I'll smash you, I'll I'll do this. And you're thinking like you've never you've never been in a fight in your life you've never practiced how to throw a punch but people have this like it's almost insecurity in a sense and I think that once you start doing martial arts it just disappears because if you're on the football park and you you're walking about like you're the big man at the end of the day no one's really going to do anything the ref's going to either send somebody off if they punch you but see when you're in a training room like the one I go to every day you can't walk about like you're the big man because somebody's going to knock you or somebody's going to tap you and somebody's going to strangle you and make you feel and humble you so yeah. when you when you're in that environment every day, mate, like there's you just be, like I've, you just become a lot kinder, I think, and a lot like people that do jujitsu are just so kind. And like one of the MMA guys at my gym who's an absolute killer, and uh, I'd I'd bet against him and anyone who picked a fight with him, he's like the nicest guy ever, mate. He's like just so relaxed, and he's like, oh hi, how you doing? And like if he was in a pub, you would just never like some some f- stupid steaming guy would pick on him and think I'm going to kill him and he just completely dust him <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's just funny mate it's just I don't know what it is with guys it's like an insecurity thing but um, 
starting martial arts and get being in an environment like that is just it's so beneficial, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's that level of respect and stuff. I remember listening to um, a podcast with Joe Rogan. There was, I was chatting to someone else about it, like how he how he knew one of his mates or something like that. And he said that they used to go, because I think he trained like jiu-jitsu for years before I did like, he's always like trained MMA, but he's never, never really done it. Um, and he was saying like, when you're doing sort of jujitsu and and that level of training, if someone gets you in a submission, mate. Like you fight, that's a fir- that's the first time sort of you, your life can be sort of not in jeopardy as such mm. in training, but you're fighting for your life. Like if if you panic, you foot. If you make a mistake, you foot. Like that's someone that's gonna grab your neck or like big Paul Craig, a Scottish um, mixed martial artist. Uh, he fought uh, a guy called Jamal Hill, and yep. um, Jamal Hill was he, he's in his thirties, but he was I think it was his ninth fight, so he was still quite like up and coming in that. Like he he, he seemed like kind of a young lad. Paul Craig just grabbed his arm, just kept twisting, kept twisting, dislocated his arm. And then and the, the, uh, Jamal Hill's arm was flopping about to his side. <laughs> and I think Paul Craig got him in like a, an arm triangle uh, and just started like pummeling him. And like, that is, if you're training that every day, like you literally, yeah. like, yeah, it's going to, he's going to humble I mean, that's, yeah, that's a prime example, mate. Like he was big talk coming into that. And then Paul showed him that, um, you need, to, you need to show some respect and, and be humble, do you know what I mean? But of course, when it comes to that, that level, you need to have a level of confidence and arrogance that you believe you can beat anyone. But, um, oh, mate, I've, I've watched it firsthand. It happened to me when I started training, but I've like I've had grown men come out of the gym who outweigh me, are definitely stronger than me. If we went into the gym, they would lift more than me, but I've like maybe tapped them three, four times in a five-minute round. And you just, like, after the first time it happens, they look at you like, Right, that was weird. I don't really know what happened there, but we'll go again. You're not going to get me again. And then you get them again and again, and they're out of breath and they're, uh, they're struggling and they're breathing heavy and they, they've no idea what's happening. Watching it happen to somebody's mad. Like, cause it's like they, they just, because that's what it's a common thing with jujitsu where it's quite popular with sort of like more nerdier guys. And like, you'll go into a gym and like a 200 pound guy will get tapped off a guy who's been training twice the length, but he's like half the weight. It's just yeah. it's bizarre, mate. And it's like, as I said, there's no room. You can't be you can't be the big man or a, or unless you're like fucking Paul Craig, because he is his big man, do you know what I mean? But <laughs> big up Paul I, Craig. It's, <laughs> it's mental, mate. Um yeah, I, I'd recommend it to anyone. It's class. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you touched on something like that about like just some guys are just be constantly tapping you. Like you you so that's like, you know, a bit of higher belt, whatever, like you just no chance and you just, white belt's just constantly getting humbled. I think it's definitely something I want to, I want to get into. I think I definitely want to start looking into more, um, sort of, yeah, extracurricular stuff coming yeah. January, like, like move to Leeds in August, um, sort of been putting in work, sort of number one, I'm trying to like, sort of, so a new job, um, just try to sort of prove myself within the team and, and, uh, try to sort of, put myself out there uh, within the company and stuff like that. Um, but I think I just need to start dedicating a bit more, bit more time and, uh, and working harder more myself. Um, it's, it's difficult, just, mate, finding the balance, like, cause there's so much you want to do. And like, especially in this man, like you, you're going to, you're going to gigs at the weekend and then you need to try and find time to get in the studio and make tunes. You need to try and find time to record mixes, get your name out there. And then you're doing podcasts, working out. It gets overwhelming. I, I just had a guy on my podcast and he was talking about how like meditation and exercise, things like that are like foundations and how he, how he controls like stress and like managing his emotions and all that. And like keeping on top of things. I think it's true, man. You just need to try and find what works for you. Yeah. Like I need, uh, 
just get into that routine of exercising because like the other day I had quite a stressful day at work. Uh, well, even that, it's just like I'm on the phone to customers all day and uh, I was chatting to a, a few guys in my team. I was saying, all my job is, 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 is momentum. It's you're on the phone. You have a good, you have a good call. The next call is going to be good. You, you make a sale on one call. The next one, like I made back-to-back sales today. But as soon as you have one annoying customer or, or, or someone that's like disrespectful yeah. or that can just grind on you, you're like, oh, fuck, sake, I can't be arsed. And you get the next one and the next one. And it, it's just that. Yeah. Um, and like last week, I was like, I just had a long day. I just, there was a, I mean, I'd, I'd get bollocks if I hung the phone up on someone, but I'd, I hung the phone up on someone because he was just being disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a, a few things that get micromanaged as well. So it can be a little bit stressful, you know, like if you try to hit your targets and then you're getting delayed, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so instead of like going on a run or something, I'm just like, you know what? I just can't be fucked and just got a few drinks. So I need to get that discipline, like moving forward, especially into next yep. year of like, it's good to have a drink. There's nothing wrong with having a drink. Having a, a few on a weekend is fine. That, that's all I had. But it's like, right, get up in the morning, get exercise, go to the gym and just start making these sort of like routines and these habits. Um, but it's hard. That's getting better each day, but it's like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's uh, trying to find that, that It's habit, just building, but... building habits. Any job with the public, mate, is a, is a difficult one because no matter how nice you are, how hard you try, some people are just assholes, mate. That's yeah. just that's just the reality of the matter, I'm afraid. Yeah, um, you can go the extra mile for somebody, but <laughs> but they expect you to know everything yeah. instead of yeah. being responsible. So it's uh, it, it it's not too bad. It really ain't too bad, but it's just you know, there's that sort of common respect that like if I go to like um a restaurant or a, a shop or just in public, I, I always like to say please and thank you to to bar staff that have served me or a cleaner or even at work if these cleaners walking about you know i'll say hello like I, I try and make my utmost to be respectful and polite to everyone i meet i could have a shit day and i might not want to talk to somebody but you know you'll, you'll try and pride myself on being respectful and, and polite and then when someone's just they're ringing up to sort something for themselves and they can't take any sort of responsibility and you know it's just and it's, yeah. it's when they're like adults it's they're like you know it could be a 50 year old <laughs> men it's like uh, I had a I do um like delivery driving for Amazon, um so um from time to time if I'm needing extra cash and uh, I had a, the strangest altercation with a guy and like so I I, I got a drive up to his um his driveway and like his he's cutting the grass it's, it's up in like um quite up north in Scotland so it's kind of like farmhouses so his grass is like all, all the way out like his house is here and then his grass is there so I need to open his gate and walk along the grass pathway to get to his door but he's cutting the grass so I try and like open the gate and I'm not I'm not like I'm not fucking shaking it or nothing just like a wee trying to get it open and uh, give it a shake give it an I'll shake it's not opening right and I just hear the engine turn off and he turns around like no hello no like blah 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 he's just like so obviously not fucking open is it and I and I'm like, it's only me and him. And like, it, I haven't said anything. I, I haven't, you'd, you'd have thought I'd burned down his fence to get in the door. And I'm like, oh, and I just thought I'd brushed it off. I'm like, all right, okay, that was weird. But anyway, and I'm like, I've got a parcel here for you, mate. And he's like, who's it for? And I said, it must have been maybe his wife or his daughter or whatever. And he's like, just fucking leave it there. And at this point, I'm like, I'm, I'm beyond bewildered. I'm like, why is a grown man talking to me like this? So I just was like, why, why did you swear at me, mate? Why, why are you swearing at me? And he went, no, I never. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, it's only me and you. It's only yeah, me and you, mate. Like, like, 
Yeah. <laughs> and then it just got weirder and weirder. And then he said, like, um, he was like, do you know what? Just take it away. And I'm like, but I have this parcel's for you. I, like the only reason I'm here is to deliver it to you. I, and I wasn't, I, I never, I never rose to it or anything. And I, to be honest, I think the fact that I didn't made him angrier. Uh, I think he was wanting a response. And then, uh, so I dropped the parcel. And as I'm walking away, he's like, forget you ever met me. That's what Jesus, he said. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I, mate, I got gets in my car and drove away and I had to pull in and I phoned my mate and I was like, I had to tell somebody I'm like, mate, you yeah. know what's just happened to me? And that's, it's just an example of just like, that just bizarre people that you'll come across in life, man. That you're—I mean, he's probably going. He's obviously not in a good place. No one in a good place is talking to a delivery driver, a twenty-two-year-old delivery driver like that. <laughs> oh, I just fucking it's... grabbed his package and followed it. <laughs> oh, it's just so come. funny, mate. I know. Yeah, I, I'll do the same out on the phone. Like, I, I rarely. The things that annoys me is when people are like they—they try to be awkward. Instead, like I'd rather someone just you know swear at me or or whatever you. But it's the ones that have been awkward and like it just it just frustrates me. But oh, if there's anything that, that, that weird, I think mean, there was one guy that was like getting a bit aggy on the phone and I was like almost laughing. But like you've got to kill me kindness all, all the time as well. Like hundred percent. I mean, I've never rise to it. Like the only time like, I I think I probably I, I say I lost it. I didn't. It, when I hung up on that guy like last week, and he, he was just proper grated on me. So I was like, I just and he just said something. I was like, I can't be bothered. Press so I was like, I, I'm wasting my time. Yeah. But at the uh-huh. end of the day, I've got I've got targets to hit as well, um, and I'm just wasting time. So I was like, Do you know, what? I can't be outside. I, I, I wouldn't rise to him and say out, but I think a lot of the time is just yeah, killing the kindness and just be firm in sort of what you say and mm-hmm. uh, but say it, try and say it in a polite manner because they're the ones that will uh, they'll either come round or yeah, just <laughs> get, get, get even aggy. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's just fucking the public in it. <laughs> Not the best, not the best. Um, But yeah, moving on, because one of the questions I was going to ask was sort of like any plans uh, on fighting. Um, So I say fighting sort of um, even jujitsu matches there. Um, Yeah. I suppose, yeah, would you sort of transition into martial arts or is it sort of the jujitsu side that you wanted to stick to? uh, I don't know, man. It's a big, it's a big commitment and it's a lot of, a lot of damage taken. Um, a lot of punches in the head, man. It's like it's not, it's no joke. Don't get me wrong, jujitsu is extremely physical. Um, and the minute that you, the minute you start doing it, you realise that. And that that's why I say, like sometimes, as you said there, like it's like you say fight, and then you go a oh, jujitsu match. But for anyone that's done it, mate, it feels like a fight. I'll yeah, tell you that. It's like definitely. A fight, no strikes, because at the end of the day, boxing, you don't you don't take somebody down in boxing. So there's there's rules to it. Do you know what I mean? There's in the same sense as rules in jujitsu. You can't you can't throw strikes, but it's physical, man. It's tough. Um, but yeah, that I watch some of the guys in my gym do uh, kickboxing and MMA and mix it all together, and it just it's it's a whole it's a whole other ball game. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, mate. I don't know because I don't know if fancy get punched in the head that much. To be honest, um, <laughs> it's good. It's if it's playful and it's fun, and I do it with my pals that and people that you trust. But sometimes you come across people and they maybe go too hard or they're just they're not doing it for the same reasons you're doing it maybe I'm doing it to get better at that skill and, and enjoy myself whereas they're doing it with the intention of this is going to be my life and so it sort of there's a disconnect between both the, the reasons you're training but um, I enjoy sparring mate like sparring and kickboxing and things like that it's good fun um, but for now I, I want to focus on jiu-jitsu I see it as long term mate I'd love to maybe have my own place one day uh, further down the line and, and teach people um, but yeah, for now I'm just going to stick with jiu-jitsu for sure. 
Yeah, it definitely sounds good. Like, especially pushing on to that point as well of like something that you can move on to. I think like what I'm trying to find in life at the minute is like sort of like this time last year, it was like hammering, like making music. Um, and this year, I kind of so much has happened, like it, it, not as in not as in any bad, just sort of like just life. Um, so like yeah, sort of like music's I've really pushed pushed aside this sort of this year, like. I was finding I was struggling to like what what tunes I were gonna like style on to make at the start of this year. Um, started a job as a mental health support worker, which I absolutely loved, but that took up a lot of a lot of my time. I was working like four or five nights a week. Um, some days I was uh, some weeks were working days, um, and then things opening up, and then starting another job in uh in June July. Just so many things that have been new this year that I've been sort of learning. Um. But then, like, what I'm trying to focus on now is sort of what the point is there is that I want to do something that I can see sort of progressing long term. Like, the job that I'm doing now is a bit of a stopgap, I'm not going to lie, but I guess it's sort of progression in it where I could use that money to invest. But starting a podcast, I'd love to, like, you know, five, ten years' time, like, have a little studio where I could have guests in. Obviously, the music side of things, which is... I say it's... I say it's, I've kind of been sort of letting it slide a bit. I've still been sort of releasing singles... Um, it's just I'm not really been trying to get any sort of EPs to labels where I've not really been I've not really been stepping it up where I could have done if I was just focused on it but but I'd love to sort of have you know a podcast do trading as well sort of like loads of little things that come together yeah I think would be sort of the, the goal there so like we'd be self podcast um trade you could do training in the morning podcasting and evening um, gigs on the night and stuff like that. Obviously, the balance would be be hard to find, yep. but yeah, that's, that's for sure. Patience, patience is the biggest thing, man. Because I think it's common with a lot of artists. It's just like being so self-critical, being just um, because that's the thing. Like comparing yourself to someone else, it's just a, it's a weird thing in your head where you think you think that you're the same. Like if I take a Donald DJ from Glasgow and like compare where I am and the scene to him. It's like you think because we're both DJs, it's the same, but it's not. He's got a completely different life. He's got different things that he does outside of music. Like, well, it's like um, you always hear, like, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson that's been on Joe Rogan. I quite like a lot of his stuff. And yeah. Like, that, that that person that drives by in the fancy car, like, maybe they've got a shite marriage. Maybe maybe they're, they're, they're in a job where they're making 100 grand a year, but they fucking hate every day they wake up. For me, like, if I'm looking at DJ and music production, Maybe maybe I'm not releasing tunes on a label that's unreal, but I'm progressing in jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this with the podcast. So comparing yourself to other people doesn't really work. And obviously you still do it. It's hard not to. Everyone yeah. does it. But That's what I yeah. beat myself up a lot about, like the last, probably touching six months, really. Like, yeah, like, yep. I think pretty much since I started this job, like I was, I was living at home the first month and um, I'd, finished, I'd finished my training nine till five, nine till half five. And then I'd spend till 10 o'clock either making mixes or making tunes. And then since I've moved to Leeds, I've not really been... I mean, I've made Rave Euphoria, uh, Take It Easy. They're two singles that I've released that uh, I'm quite proud of. But I've not really been hammering the production like I, I, I had been sort of like um, this time last year or, or even the start this year. But then I've got a full-time job of which I'm sort of like progressing quite quickly within like I'm sort of myself and a few others are quite sort of mm-hmm. standout 
Uh, and that's not even just in the team. That's just like a cross board in, in the role that we do. Like it is an entry level role, but like where there's a, me and another lad in our team are like really sort of putting a name like forward exactly. for ourselves. Uh-huh. Um, you, cheers, brother. Um, yeah, started a label, started obviously the podcast now. Um, and just seeing pals like this people that we've not seen in you know a year, six months. Like it's um, there's a lot of things that, to do in life, and that I might be sort of pu- pulling away from sort of production the last few months, but. So a lot of things I want to do. I want to. I want to learn Spanish. I want to. Uh, I've got a, bought a fucking keyboard there. Do you know what I mean? Um, which I, I need yep. to start learning on. And and then again, a lot of like you've got to think. You've got to enjoy yourself. You've got to hundred you know I mean? percent. Like, loving me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's hard. I'm so self-critical. I really am. Like I'm uh, beating myself up all the yeah. time. But I, I like one of, the, one, of the, one of the best ones I've heard is like sometimes when it comes to to looking at yourself and, and giving yourself advice is like talk to yourself how your best friend would talk to you so if you look at yourself like if you're be- if one of your best mates who you genuinely know wants the best for you was to to look at you just now and and say how are you doing like how are you doing music production they would be like mate you've made so you've made great tracks you've you've just started your own podcast you've got a full-time job like you the, your mates would never hear this the critic the critics that's in your own head do you know what I mean yeah and definitely. I would do the same like if I think about what I would say to my best pal that's maybe he's like not having the best time at you like mate you're doing well like you've got a good job you you've got friends you've got a social life blah 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 and I don't know it's just a thing you get on your own head about no, it's def- difficult. no definitely like if you if you look at myself sort of like when I moved back down to Leeds sort of in September um well about no I didn't move out August ish last year on the doll, um, I'd only just released, I was only just about to release on my first label, which was Clip Art. Um, I'm fucking massively in my overdraft. And then now it's like, so I've got a full-time job, podcast, done better in music, have I had like players on the radio and stuff like that. Um, exactly. But I think, I think, I think the, the thing for me is like, I want to be able to, work on my own terms i want to be able to do multiple different things where i'm not sort of like scheduled to a nine-to-five office job something that, that i want to do if it like you know like wake up in the morning um doing a podcast full time or like i don't know streaming or playing gigs i think that's something that i'd want to do sort of um not essentially work on my own terms but sort of have that flexibility where you're sort of being independent and you're not yep. sort of yeah like a like a robot or a or a cog, if you mm-hmm. get me. But mm-hmm. I think again that comes with patience as well, doesn't it? Like you got to look yeah. at your progression and stuff and and work for I'm, it. I even look at like like when I went to warehouse project, like me and my mates were talking about it because we were all two of my mates are the same age as me, and then one was nineteen, and we were like, look at the probably the average age of the DJs on that lineup that we just seen. It's like. Th- late 20s early 30s some 40s these are people that have been doing it and that have been in this industry for 10 15 plus years and like you can't you, you just you can't you can't for a second think that you're on some sort of same level as them and like oh i need to get to this point because of the, they've, they've been in the industry as long as we've been alive do you know what i mean so yeah it's just about patience and yeah doing definitely. what you're doing i think i think i see like some artists that have uh I'd be a, a quite young and I'm like, you know, I, like, I'd be, be great to sort of make it soon. Do you know what I mean? Um, I still probably miles off. It'd just be nice to get free gigs, I think, for myself. But you get people like Melody who probably made it in his early 30s. I, I'm sure he will have been DJing from 
Oh, it's like it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you you take Ewan McVicker, like a lot of people will be looking at him and looking at telling me something good and thinking, oh, this guy Ewan McVicker has made one tune and he's come out of nowhere. The guy's been producing for like seven years. He's had a different alias with Granite. I don't know if you've heard of Granite 12. Him and another guy called Stephen Simpson um, do Granite 12. You should check them, mate. You, you probably dig a few other tunes. Like Acid, they've had a few releases on Craigie Nose and stuff like that. But for anyone not paying attention, they think that he's just somehow all of a sudden became this great, yeah, yeah, great music producer. It's like the guy's been working probably for five years straight, getting into work, making tunes, working hard, and then he's became an overnight success. These things don't just happen to random people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So I was. just gone 25 now, uh, 25 yesterday. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, see, see a 40-year-old, mate, they would tell both of us, like, yeah, you're you nuts. Like, you have got so long to go. Yeah, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, I want to make it now. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I started DJing when I was, I mean, obviously I had decks and stuff like that, but I never properly learned. Like, my, my proper club set was, I must have been 21. Like, I think, I, remember, I was in the second year of uni, um, so obviously when I'd, I'd gone back to uni after that, um, after my first year, so I started like my actual first year, which I was called first year when I was uh, 19, turning 20. Uh, and then it was like 20, 20, 10 to 21 in my second year. And um, one of my mates who DJed in a lot of uh, places in Newcastle, like he went around to his, he gave me like lessons and stuff, taught me like how to beat match. He even got a USB, got my USB stick, put five tunes on it. It was like, oh, I want you to mix them, practice to mix them. And then when I see you next week, like I want you to mix them for me. And I remember saying to him, like, oh, can you not put them all the same BPM? Like that was something that was like, you know, I try to mix different BPMs was something new to me at the time. Um, so I started playing the odd gig when I was like 21. So that obviously there's been lockdown and all that sort of stuff. So I started at 21, started producing again when I was like 21. That's when I released my the Kylie edit. You'll get people who've been doing this since there was 14, 15, 16 even 17 18 and then you know i've been producing what like four, yeah three and a half years so yep. there's exactly man so much more time to go but it's like you it's that instant thing you're like i want i want to sort of everyone wants to make it now or when they're young yeah, yeah, it, but yeah. your time will come do you know what i mean so it's just trying to like relay that to myself which just self-critical in it so yeah 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 you want to do man. It's that, it's that sort of lack of patience that you, you want to sort of like excel well. Um, but yeah, sort of moving on from, from, from that sort of little, little sort of topic there, if you've got sort of one bit of advice, one bit of advice, um, sort of life advice for maybe your younger self or just sort of anyone listening, what sort of would you sort of recommend there? What would be your, your best bit yeah. of advice? It's a question like, I, I ask it as well. And I think it's a great question. And um I don't, I've thought about it myself and I've like, I've, I've thought about that, like, what would I tell myself? And I think the main one, and it's, I'm not the first to say this, I'm no any philosopher or nothing, but like, it's just, you don't need to have it figured out. I think is the biggest one. I think, um, I, I talk about it with my pals all the time is like, I think we live in a culture where the minute that you leave school, there's a pressure on you for you to have it figured out. And it's, where I find it exists is like when I meet people and they're like, what are you doing with yourself? And to me, that is, the, the I hate that question so much because immediately for me I go into like a mode of thinking like what I, what am I doing with myself and like I'm not in a full-time job and like I, I don't really know what I want to do and then like I've just gra- I graduated in May 
uh, with a business and sports degree and uh, you get the question, so so what are you doing now? And it's like, it, it almost makes you feel like an idiot for not having it figured out. And like we've just spoke about for like 10, 15 minutes, like you, like um, being patient and really acknowledging that you're young, you're only 22. People that are like 35 don't know they want, what they want to be yet. And um, I, so I would say you don't need to have it figured out. If I could, I've got a younger sister, I'm definitely going to tell her that like, don't, like don't let the questions when people ask you when you're you're 20 like what are you going to do with yourself when you grow up and it's like I think gone are the days as well you know you just you go into one job and things like that there's so much you can do especially with internet and now social media and everything and it's just like take your time figure out what you want to do and I sort of have done that to be fair even though I went to uni and stuff like that like I, I haven't ever put pressure on myself to go and commit myself to a role so I, I would say I would say Try lots of things. Try, try what what you're interested in. Have a go at that. Take have a go at that. Take opportunities. Take your time and figure out what it is you want to do. And don't ever feel like you need to have it all figured out because because and most people don't. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, that's, I think that's what I would say. Yeah, unreal. That's absolute top advice. Like I'm the same. Like um, when I sort of graduated uni, um, I couldn't think of anything worse than to get a full time job. I was like, sort of, I had a rough final year um I'd graduate and I was like I need I want mentally right to go into a full-time job um I was applying for like part-time jobs didn't really get anything until uh literally went out skin absolutely skin my mate goes around to come to the pub I was like mate I've got fuck all money I'll come for one or two went for went for a couple first place we went to I met um two of our lads one that was uh sort of quite fairly like fairly good mates with throughout union another lad that I was good mates with in uh sort of my first year and a bit of my second year then didn't really see him in, in maybe the odd night out and he were working in a bar so he were like oh we're hiring at my place so uh he, he texts his manager um so I remember being a bit half cut going back to my flat putting a shirt and pants on getting my cv and uh heading now for this job interview um and uh, got the job and I don't know if it was a bit like adrenaline or like obviously the beers we got some more beers on the way down as well maybe the the stressor track acts over at this job interview um she showed me around kind of like the the building and I'd completely forgot by the by my first shift so yeah I got I got the job um and for me that was like a an achievement I remember like ringing my mum and dad straight after well, my mum straight after I think she was my dad just like I was giggling down the phone I was so buzzing that I'd actually found a job um but then when you go on LinkedIn and you see all these people you went to uni with having these like full-time jobs yeah. and these, uh, oh. you know, uh, I can't remember what they're like, called Like, like, worse for, like yeah, tens and I'm worse. like, And everyone's guilty of it, mate, but it's like, it's like professional bragging. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm like, this person wants to connect with you on LinkedIn. Like, mine, part-time fucking bartender. <laughs> and they've got people yeah. these like interns. But that's it, mate. That's, that's a culture, like... I think that's a big part of British culture. And like, I think as well now it's difficult because like we us like doing podcasts and DJing, like you can make good, good money from podcasting. If, if you, if you work, if you get the views and you get the sponsorships and all that sort of stuff, but like telling, telling someone who's 50, like maybe your older auntie or something that, oh yeah, I'm doing a podcast. They don't like, they don't get that that's now a job. Like it's like gone are the times where it's like just oh i'm i'm this i'm a joiner i am this or whatever like yeah it's just there's so much different things that you can do now and um like, i would say like podcast I mean, like it, it seems like a new concept but it's it, it's not it's just building no, on no. 
it's building on what was like pioneered with radio and and yep. stuff like that. It's just the fact that people in the digital era, people uh, people are tuning into the radio to listen to Maroon Five anymore. Do you know what I mean? They're uh, yep. you've got your Spotify, like people aren't listening to sort of like the, the talk time shows on on radio anymore, or listen to as much talk time shows on TV anymore because you've got YouTube, you've got on demand, you've got Spotify, mm-hmm. and all it is is just sort of like a, a a build on sort of what we are we've already had um and it, again it's a good way to connect with sort of like especially like you mentioned it's really the start of the podcast like comedians you've got like james acaster and and all these doing podcasts it's just a better way to engage with somebody and i think it's built massively again over lockdown uh, of that sort of being in your own home and uh and then again, yeah, be able to like sort of listen to content from from friends or people that you you know um, yeah that you enjoy sort of seeing their their work whether it's like a musician or mm. um or yeah like a comedian and stuff like that. So, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of sort of avenues to try and and it's hard to find what you want to do. Like I've always had interests growing up, but I've never known what I wanted to do. I went to uni because. I didn't want to go work full time. I wanted to go for the lifestyle. And yeah, like, again, like people will ask you sort of like, oh, what are you doing with your degree and what have you? I've not really, I've not done anything with mine. I started DJing in bars and stuff after, but it's all about sort of try to find your feet, be patient. Don't let sort of like people critique you or pressure you. You just got to do what you want to do. Like my biggest fear now is staying at this job that I've got for you know, two, three, four, yep. five years. Because you get people that have been working there for, what, 10, 20 years? Yeah. And it's a, it's a big company, but I couldn't think of anything worse than staying there. I want to travel. I want to live in different cities for years or just there's a lot more to experience in life. But it's, um, I think, yeah, anything advice I'd give is, yeah, just touching on what you said there is don't let sort of people pressure you don't you don't have to know what you yeah. do but just try things just just trial new things if they don't work out they don't work out you're giving it a go you don't want to get to 50 60 and regret not trying something yeah so i definitely yeah couldn't agree more with you on that um last question and then we'll get to your social links and uh, and wrap the podcast up um so finishing on sort of like a music sense there what would you say is the meaning of music it's a big one. Like for me, music has always been like where I have felt most alive. Um, whether it be listening to music or whether it be like, for, like as a teenager, the the most fun that I would have or the most like unreal times I would have would be in the middle of of mosh pits. Would be standing in circles or holding each other, chanting, steaming, like chanting the the tunes, going to parties, and like um for me, I've always been the music kind of the music guy, like. If I would, if we were like on the bus going to like school games, I was the guy that was on the speaker. Like every, right, go get Goldie on the tunes, like game the speaker. And then, so for me, it's just always been sort of like, I don't even know if it has any significant meaning or anything. It's just always been part of me. Like it always seemed to be the biggest attachment I've had to something is music. Um, So yeah, I just seem to have like let it, like, it's just always been a part of me and then it's just sort of like developed into what I'm doing now and DJing and sort of it's, it's just grew into DJ and grew into podcasts and talking about music, just everything like it, I pretty much. Yeah, definitely. And I think I've always had that sort of same 
sort of connection uh, sort of when I was I said there's always been like I, I've never sort of pointed out when music was like a big part of like my life or my family's life but it's something we've always like listened to or you know that I've gotten gigs and stuff like that and brother and sister went to gigs I think it is that it's that, it's that sort of connection and that that feeling that you can get from something and then it just yeah just keep growing that within life and there's so much like avenues to explore within music whether that's yeah like discussing about it uh, just listening to it, like, relaxing or going to these gigs and stuff so I mean on with you on that one there that it's a yeah just a, a big part of life and yeah it just makes you feel that you know it makes you feel anything it can relax you or pump you up mm-hmm. or it's just that connection that you get with people as well for sure mate definitely so yeah last one there then it'd just be our sort of social links podcast as well yeah. where can the people find everything um, so I think on Instagram or on E or Sean Goldie, if you type them in, they both come up. And then I think pretty much all my links are on my Instagram page. The or E podcast is on Spotify and YouTube and um, Instagram, TikTok. It's like the or E podcast. But to be honest, I grudge TikTok's too addictive now. <laughs> uh, yeah, every time is. I, mate, even if I jump on to upload a video, like I'm, I'm like, I'm like downloading it on the app store. Like, right, go on download your video, delete the app. 40 minutes go by and I'm watching fucking, I don't know, Ariana Grande, some mad video, but Ariana Grande's like fucking <laughs> vocal calls or something like that, or something bizarre like that. And I'm like, how, like, what, what? And yeah. then like you click out of it and you go, wait, what? And it's like four o'clock, you've missed the bus. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's too, it's too addictive, mate. Yeah. So I, I'm not that active on TikTok to be fair. I'm but, bad um, for yeah. that, I'm bad for that. Uh, gig wise and music wise, where can people find you? Mix these tunes, uh, any gigs? Um, oh yeah. SoundCloud, um, or me, Sean Goldie, it should be on there. Yeah. Gigs as well, any uh, gigs? Oh, um, nah, to be honest, mate, no gigs coming up. Well, I've got a play in like a bar every Saturday in Glasgow, and then the odd gig here and there just when they pop up, mate. Um, I've seemed to be getting a few gigs and subby here and there on the warm up slots, so hopefully they keep hopefully coming. Hopefully, more, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Too right. Sweet, oh, mate. Man. Um, but thanks very yeah. much for having me, mate. I really enjoyed talking with you, man. That was fun. No, it's been a, been a good do. So, yeah, thanks again for, for coming on. Um, Maybe, maybe some more collabs as well with us uh, both feature on each other's podcast but yeah unreal that. so yeah thank you for being on and uh, yeah that uh, wraps nice, this week's party up nice one mate wicked